This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello all and welcome back to your latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. Now, Steven Schumacher is still unbeaten. Four games unbeaten for him, six unbeaten for the sides in total. Mike, it was a, a nice start to the new year, wasn't it? Yeah, not bad at all, mate. I, I must admit, we, we did say, didn't we, that you know we were relatively hopeful going into this particular game and um, I think he's basically delivered what we all kind of expected if I'm honest so I think he's he's done really well I think we can definitely count this as a new manager bounce I think we've discussed that a couple of times haven't we and, and whatnot I think looking at the list of names that he's in, in company with for uh, unbeaten games he's uh, is it running the risk of being one of the highest in a long time I think the only downside is obviously what we'll get onto later and that's the fact that we've got Brighton in the cup if it would have been something like Crawley or something like that it might have been a little bit easier for him to to hit a new record but uh, yeah decent start uh, the right approach as we've said in the last couple of weeks you know that we're, we're playing in the right way you know, we're, we're picking up a few points here and there I think maybe a couple of months ago the thought of playing Ipswich at home would have been well I wouldn't even bother then and I think that's that's changed somewhat so uh, it's it's refreshing to see everyone being a bit more upbeat despite the fact we're not quite picking up wins just yet yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? Um, we were sort of saying the other day we've we've had two home games under Stephen Schumacher. Uh, we haven't scored yet. Yeah, everybody, the complete atmosphere and everything around the ground has has completely changed. The fan base are, are so much more vocal now uh, in a positive way. <laughs> they were quite vocal before, really, in a negative way. Um, but yeah, they're behind the team. Um, they're, they're feeling that they're entertained. They're feeling they're getting. The money's worth, and that the efforts in, and it's amazing. Like I say, it doesn't results. It shows that that shows the results aren't everything. The performances can be there, and the and the fans can be happy with that, at least in the short term, anyway. 
Yeah, I think everyone's got to be relatively positive. I think the the main thing is we needed to we need to stop the rot a little bit, didn't we? Let, let's let's be honest. You know, we were not doing well under Alex. Everyone was feeling a bit doom and gloom, weren't getting results, worried about crash, you know, going down. I mean, to, to go down to League One would be an absolute catastrophe. And I think there was a lot of people worried about that. But I think he's steadied the ship a little bit. And I think everyone's, as I said, I think everyone's feeling a little bit more positive. And I don't think anyone's really thinking about relegation, despite the fact that, you know, it, I think we're slowly pulling ourselves away from that. It's not obviously a foregone conclusion. You can see the points difference between the top half and the bottom half. But again, I think all people wanted to see down was a bit of effort, a bit of fight. And you know what also it shows me in a probably more negative light, actually, is more the sense that the players either didn't buy into what Alex and Neil was doing or they maybe or maybe a combination of maybe they didn't want him there. They didn't quite believe in what he was doing because it's a complete contrast. And I think all that, you know, Shuey's doing is is asking for a bit more effort and, you know, consistent running. I don't, I don't think he's had time to do much else. So that, for me, just shows what the guys probably thought of Alex Neal, actually. I just think they look so... They look like they're allowed to enjoy the football. It, it appears to me like when, when um, Alex Neal was in charge, especially towards the end, like you said, the heads were down, weren't they, all the time? They were waiting for something to go wrong, waiting for a negative, and they were they were strangled. I think he strangled them. He didn't allow them any flair. There was no no allowance of expression um, to you know to show their ability or anything. It was all very rigid. And I think Schumacher has just come down here and he might he may just have walked in and just enjoy yourself, lads. Go out there, express yourselves, have some fun, link up play, and knowing full well that. By doing that, he's got players who've got the ability to do that and make it work as well. Yeah, I I agree. I, actually, I think I think he's got his fight in the right direction. I think we're we're going to talk about transfers during this particular pod, but um, there's 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 room for manoeuvre. I mean, I think you've seen again. We use him a lot of a lot of times, but I think he's just because he's the clear one, and you've seen what Berger can do. We saw glimpses of it against the likes of Rotherham and stuff like that, where he absolutely bossed it and obviously clear, full of confidence, playing a bit more of a free position. And all of a sudden, he's, he, as you said, he was kind of almost like he, he went into more of a withdrawn position. And then you wouldn't even notice him during games. I think everyone's feeling, you know, probably a bit of a, a bit of a relief, I guess. I think the one thing we've got to bear in mind is, the, you know, the players could very well be in this honeymoon period. You know, when maybe they're, talk, you know, they're talking about new players and getting new people in to replace the ones that are there now, and, you know, maybe we get a few bad results. You know, they see the manager, how he reacts after some bad results. All of a sudden, then, do the players react in the right way? We'll soon see, obviously, because with this, this okay form, um, it won't last forever. We are going to lose games. We'll lose against Brighton for me. Which I'm sorry to be so negative, but I think we will. Uh, and you know, but in in the league, we've got plenty of opportunity to to get points where it matters. So um, yeah, look, I I think everyone's relatively positive, and you know, we can go into games against Brighton and you know rest some players and not be overly too fussed. I don't think. I mean, that's that's the way I'm looking at it anyway. Yeah, it's a bit of a free hit for us, isn't it? And yeah, uh, we'll get into the Brighton game later. It'll be interesting to see how 
how you know, what kind of team they put out. Uh, I've done a little bit of research into how you know how they've sort of lined up in their sort of cup games this season. Um, but sort of picking up back to Ipswich, I mentioned before, didn't we? Six unbeaten now. I know five of them have been draws, but still, that's, that's probably five defeats <laughs> where we were going before into you know draws. There'd have been a mistake somewhere along the line. Um, Schumacher's four unbeaten now. Mike, only two managers in the club's history have had a longer unbeaten start. So 1914, Peter Hodge, um, he was unbeaten in his first seven games, and Joseph Bradshaw in 1890, unbeaten in his first six. Brian Little, a little asterisk there, Brian Little did win his first six in the league, uh, but then he lost, uh, but he had lost to Macclesfield in the League Cup in his second match in charge. So that doesn't count if we just do matches itself, not just league games. But yeah, so... Really, as if we don't lose to Brighton, he would be the first, well, the longest unbeaten run for 109 years as an incoming manager. Like I say, is this as close as we're going to get to a new manager bounce? <laughs> I think so. We've we've all seen it with previous managers where we've always been complaining, oh, we we don't get anything, we don't get anything. And I think we are seeing one. I know we'd love to turn around and go, you know, we, we should have had a few more wins. And I think on the whole, when you look at back, across the games, you know, we've been let down by silly defensive mistakes. I think the odd thing from Jack Bonham and stuff like that. So I think if you could toot them out of your game, we had that little bit more quality already in the building. You know, Shuey's probably would, would be sitting on here instead of maybe having, I don't know, I mean, is it four or five points or something? I can't remember now. Uh, but yeah, instead of having a handful of points, all of a sudden you might be thinking about, okay, well, he's, he's now played four games or five games and he's picked up two or three wins along the way I think he's been really unlucky to not actually pick up more wins yeah and I think I think that'll come in time I think the goals will come the wins will come um, to be fair I say really unlucky we should have won this game I mean we'll get well into it now the changes that were sort of made then so Hoover was in back inside at left back uh, that meant Jordan Thompson moved to centre field obviously Ben Pearson was out we believe with that hamstring injury uh, that you talked about for the Watford game. Uh, Lewis Baker coming into centre midfield. Uh, Bajon Ho moved out to the left wing and Haksimanovic uh, dropped back off to the bench. Um, looking at that team, any any concerns, any positives, any sort of interest in before kick-off, maybe, when you saw the team news? Um, you know, I said to you the other day that I thought Haksimanovic would be dropped. Uh, I wasn't surprised to actually see him dropped. I said to you that I thought realistically he didn't do enough for me um, in, in the week. He wasn't. I don't think he's actually a Schumacher player. Now I really love uh, love him. Honestly, I think I think on his day, Hacks can be good. Me and you went to Huddersfield, if I remember rightly, and we we watched him basically do really really well. Uh, and he had that kind of free role, like the Juno position, really, he had that more free position. And I think that benefit to that was it just allowed him to express himself. And at that point, it was more, OK, well, we haven't actually got players on his on his level to kind of understand what he wants to go and do. So whether there's an element of confidence in that and maybe we'll see more of it. But against Watford, he was just too static. And I don't think... You know, Schumacher's going to accept players just standing there quite statically. And I think that was the one thing I could criticise him. So when I saw it was dropped, I had no no issues with that personally. Um, the rest of the team, I mean, I, 
I think it was kind of expected personally, Dan. I don't think there was anyone that most people would have looked in there and gone, oh, okay, that's clearly you know, a, a bad decision. When I look across the the entirety of the team, Junior was obviously coming in. I think obviously Henry was the only person who could play left back. So, you know, we didn't have much of a choice in there. Nice to see Baker uh, start the, the match. I mean, we, we've seen how good Baker can be and he could be one of them players because of the freedom, because of the, you know, he's got a great shot on him. He could actually be at the making of him, actually, uh, with, with Schumacher, I think. I think he is that type of player. So if you can get an on-form Baker, you know, an in-form uh, Berger, and then, you know, where one or two of the, the front forward line uh, firing as well, I think it's the makings of a really good team. We just need to improve quality in a, probably four or five other areas to make us a real threat, I think. Yeah, I mean, you sort of mentioned Baker there. I mean, he had three, it was his first start, wasn't it, since his surgery in the summer? And probably the first time he's probably started a game really since this year, well, in the whole 2023. I can't really remember him having too many starts back end of last season, can you? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. No, he's just sort of cameos off the bench, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, in the first half alone, he had three shots on target. You know, two were sort of you know quite close to the keeper, probably comfortable saves, but they were well hit. Um, they all from outside the box as well, all three of them. And then the third one, he's sort of done really. You know, I think there was a bit of a coming together between um, two players. The ball sort of popped out a little bit loosey, sort of really neat footwork, to be honest, quite tight. Took you around a couple of players in like, you know, you know blink of an eye, he's gone bam, bam, you know, left foot, right foot, left, gone straight through. And then he's cracked the shot off with his left foot. And uh, I think the keeper thought it was possibly, or he was not prepared for it, he wasn't expecting it. And he had to sort of change direction, get down quick, and he sort of pushed it around for a corner. It was actually a pretty, pretty impressive save. Um but yeah, he he covered all, he covered a whole load of grass. You know, he, every blade he was everywhere. He kept the ball moving. His passing was good. His long range passing, short range passing. Um, he stuck a foot in. He was getting. He, he was he, real positive vibes coming out of Lewis Baker on Saturday. Um, he set pieces. He set oh, pieces were very good. Uh, his corners, free kicks, very good. There was variation to him, but pretty much they were on the money. Jeremy, you know I mean? if if we didn't get ahead on it, it wasn't his fault. For poor delivery, it was, you know, why are we not getting someone in that area? Or, um, you know, even the short ones that he got, he, he put an absolute beauty of a cross in. Uh, he, he played short to Thompson. Thompson rolled it back to him, and he come to like the corner of the box in line with that, and he just curled this ball into the box. He just needed a touch. He just needed somebody running and gambling on it, um, but nobody sort of made just the right run, and he just sort of you know, went through to the keeper. But like I say, any touch on that, he would have been the back of the net. How fit do you actually think he he was as well? I mean, again, I know we're going to we're going to Brighton later, but what basically what I'm trying to get get at here. Is he someone who you think might be able to play, you know, two games within the space of a week, or is do you think he's still building that up? Well, I he played the ninety minutes, and obviously I was, I'll be honest, with about five ten minutes ago, I thought, oh, I wonder if we'll see um, Sol Sadibi come on for Baker. Um, obviously, Thompson had, had gone off. There been a lot of extra running in the midfield there because we were, you know, we had a sort of man down, and obviously Ipswich had a lot of the ball that last twenty odd minutes because you know we were a man short, and 
he was towards the end, he got the crowd going. I think we won, I think we won a corner and it was about like 88, 89, not a corner, so we won a free kick on about halfway, uh, 88, 89 minutes. And he sort of turned to the stands and he sort of, you know, threw his arms up in the air two or three times, trying to get the crowd, um, you know, just keep the crowd going because the crowd were quite vocal after the red car. Well, they were all afternoon to us because they had something to be cheered about. But obviously, you know, you know, it is when you've got what you feel is a, a, an injustice of a red card, uh, at least at the game, you know, till you can see what's happened. Um, obviously, the crowd, you know, were, were, were up and that, and he was geeing them up. And I thought to myself, I wonder if he himself is just feeling it a little bit at this end stage. And he's like, just to come on, just give us that extra little boost, just just drag us over the line here. Um, both as a team, obviously after having as many games as they have recently, and also sort of individually for him as well. I thought, I wonder if he's, you know, his legs are burning a bit now, and he's just, you know, counting down the seconds. I was going to say, what, what did you make of the Red Hogs? I think obviously a lot of people were really incensed by it, weren't they? Um, and when you look back, I think actually it was a very, very naive of Thompson. He should know better. He's played enough games to know better for me. Now, what really puzzled me, though, about the whole saga was when the referee's gone over and asked, well, what, have you asked for a booking, base, pretty much? And he's obviously given him an answer of, in, well, because of this, this and this. Genuinely, he looked like the referee wasn't actually sure if that's what he'd done. And for me, it was like, well, why are you being so stupid as to, to do that? None of these players can turn around and go, oh, we shouldn't have been booked. I'm sorry, Thompson, but yeah, you should, because that's the that's the rules. You were all told that at the start of the season. If it was the other way around, we'd expect the same treatment as well. I think it was extremely naive. And now he's going to be missing a couple of games, which, you know, Pearson is going to be out for potentially maybe a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm yet to hear the update on him, but... He looked like he did his hamstring at Watford. So if it's still a bit sensitive, we're now almost, even if he's 60, 70% there, we're almost pointing ourselves in a scenario where we might have to play him. We have got other people who can maybe cover for us, but I just I just think it was very naive, don't you? He, it was. I Obviously, he, he's been fouled, and He's picked up a yellow card the first half. And that the ref, obviously there was a ref change one there, and just just to say on that, I thought the ref in the first half actually he was barely noticeable. The game just flowed around him. He made decisions when he had to, but it was yeah, you know, I thought he was doing a great job. Then there was the you know the switch over, and he as soon as basically as soon as the game kicked back off, he looked a little lost. The ref doing like he was if he was struggling out to the pace of the game. That was up to sort of like half time, and then in the second half, he came, it's as if he came out with a chip on his shoulder, as if like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna prove that I'm in charge here. That kind of scenario. Like, what? Well, why? What are you doing? What are you trying to? Um, is that trying to prove down there? Maybe he was annoyed that it was absolutely the last hour of rain, and he was supposed to be the fourth official sat nicely in the dugout undercover, and instead he was running round in the you know, in the open. Um, maybe that's why the maybe that's why the other ref went off. He <laughs> sort of stuff this. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I say, to, to be fair to you, I, I, Thompson, he, he's won that free kick. He sat there, and he does sort of you know he, he sort of gestures with his arm, but. 
it's not an aggressive gesture. It's not. It's not a violent kind of gesture. He's not massively getting in the ref's face as he throws. You know, like you see other players who, you know, nothing happens there, do you? You know, players who get another in the ref's face, you know, brandishing the imaginary card, or and and, and you know, he's he's literally just gone up. His his arm's gone up for what a split second. He's, he's you know threw his arm up, threw his hand up. Yeah, possibly whatever made that made the the card waving gesture for, like I say, an absolute split second. Then he spoke to the player who fouled him. They've had a little, you know, didn't see him anything. They'll say there was no aggression, there was no nothing. He literally put his hand out. He's helped him back onto his feet. Tip switch players helped him back up onto his feet. Jordan Thompson's put the ball down, ready to take a free kick. It's not like he's run to the ref. It's not like he's demanded a card. He's just gone, oh, ref, come on. How many, how many times is this going to happen? Or, you know, maybe said something like that to a referee who's 20 yards away. He hasn't screamed it. He hasn't shouted it. He's just sort of like, as footballers do, complaining, oh, come on, ref. You know, anyone who's watched any game of football anywhere will know that, that that's that's what you're doing. And, well, that's what players do, should I say, sorry. And... Also, I know if you listen, I've heard other referees say before that they know it's an emotional game. They know people get wound up and they know that sometimes they are the target for that. And it's about being like, well, as long as you're not disrespectful to me, as long as you're not abusive, you know, as long as whatever, then then fine. You know, if that's what... If that's what it takes to to get you going or whatever, then that's fine. And that's they're the top refs that just sort of let that go, because really, that was a re- even though it was nil nil, it's a really good game of football that was. Especially you know we really, to be fair, I think we dominated the first half. Um, the second half, it was quite even up until that red card. Uh, both sides were going for it, and it was end to end. And through him trying to prove a point. He ruined a good game of football. Yeah, I think when you looked at the stats, I remember unfortunately I couldn't actually make the match uh, that particular day. New Year's Day is very much a, a family affair for me, to be honest. So I didn't really get to see all of it other than kind of extended highlights. But uh, I mean, when I was looking at the stats, I think we had something like five corners after about 15 minutes and we had loads of, you know, plenty of shots on target and stuff. And I was like, we're really going for it here. Like we're, we're not sitting back. We're certainly not scared of Ipswich. And I think we we could probably taste blood, and it makes you wonder if we would have had, like I said, a full full eleven in terms of you know we didn't get Thompson sent off. I reckon we maybe probably had enough to to go and beat them. And another day, I think you do beat them as well. So it's just I don't know. It, I guess the whole point of this is it, it's really refreshing to see because I think on a different day, again <laughs> under Alex, it's probably a very different game. And it's probably a very drab nil-nil at the very least and holding on rather than actually trying to take the game to Ipswich. So, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great to see the stats. I'm sure if we... We probably need to look at it, actually. It'd be nice to look at some analysis on it, but look at the, you know, the passes and look at the shots on target and attempted shots for, you know, the last three games of, obviously, Alex Rain and maybe, like, the first... Three you know games of of course Shuey's reign. Be interesting to see if there's much of a visible difference there. That's some homework for me. I'll see what I can do. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, 
and as Mike, you said there about the start, we had the five corners first 15 minutes. I, I turned to, to the, the guy who sat in your seat, <laughs> um, and so I said to him, like, you know, I said, well, I bet Ipswich fans are sitting there thinking, what were you expecting this? What, what where the hell's this Stoke team been all year? How are, they, how are these, you know, towards the bottom of the league? Because we were, like I say, the intensity and the pace we were playing was fantastic. Um, like I say Baker had them shots. There was, I, I'm amazed that there was a little, there's a piece of skill from Berger right off a corner, and I do not know how it's not made in the highlights packages, right? Because this Baker's corner comes in, and I think the. The Ipswich players Stoke play have gone up together. I think, as I remember, Alex, there's not been any replays for some reason, but they've jumped together. The ball's then landed, bit of a scrap. I think Berg has put himself across the ball with his back to goal. He's about six, seven yards out. So he's protected the ball. He's then, he's then put his foot on it, flicked it up, done three keepy-uppies, and then spun 180 degrees and left foot volleyed it at the goal. And it just happened to be straight at the defender on the line. He was hit his head and gone over for another corner. And it was when I was like, you know, another great piece of skill by Berger. But I was like, how that hasn't made any of the um, highlights packages. I don't know because that was fantastic piece of skill. Um, there was one for Mai as well, wasn't there? That was he hit a volley uh, for the edge of the box that the keeper had to get down. He had to push wide. We were absolutely excited. That first half, we were all over, the, and the pace and the intensity we were playing with was fantastic. The other big call that the officials, I think, seemingly got wrong, although it's really, really tight, is is the Berger goal. Um, obviously, he's been put through, anti great pass puts him in, and he's down. He's got to be fair to me. He's, he's got a long run in. He's got like 35, 40 yards, one on one with the keeper. He's got three defenders chasing him. Obviously, as he's getting close to the goal, they naturally, because they're not dribbling a football, are getting closer to him. And he ends up having to hold a couple off. And it's it's the, it's the most composed finish you'll probably ever see. He just gets, like I say, he's running into the box. The keeper's standing there, going, you know, like makes himself big. And he just toe pokes it like dead nonchalantly. Toe pokes it past him into the corner, and the, and the keeper literally didn't move as if say, "Oh, I wasn't expecting that." <laughs> it's as if like you know the sort of the end to end, the the three three v three training games that they'll do with the small goals, and you just sort of roll it in. Yeah. It was as if he was playing one of them. He just like say, he just toe pokes it, roll it past the keeper. It was. Um, it just just shows just how much confidence he's got in himself, doesn't it? At the minute, and what ability he does have, um, and the flair he I, plays I, with. I was going to say, I mean, players in the past have said, you know, when, when you're confident and you know you, you're feeling good, everything becomes easy, and it's, it's exactly, I think, as you've just pointed out, it's exactly what's happened there. And when you looked at the offside, I mean, we 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 spoke about this on on the Facebook group and stuff like that. It was bloody close, right? And I try to be objective uh, wherever I can. In real time, it only takes, I know this sounds really bloody stupid, it only takes the linesman to blink at the wrong second or to be a little bit further higher up the pitch than he should be. And he's kind of having to take a bit of a guesstimate for how close that is. 100%, if we had VAR in this division, it would have been lines being drawn because it was that bloody close. So, 
you can kind of forgive the officials for maybe making the wrong call. I genuinely would love to have seen the lines on something like that, just because it'll be a it'll be half an elbow, it'll be you know a bloody kneecap, it will be something really small. So you can kind of forgive them for that. It'll sometimes they'll go for you and sometimes they'll go against you. Yeah, I think he was um, just sort of compounded with the red card wanted at the time that you feel that sort of double injustice of um, yeah. everything going against you. Uh, but, but yeah, like I say, and yeah, and, and on another day that gets given, and and you know you, you're talking about a fantastic one 0 win with ten men against the team second in the league. <laughs> um, just just of interest, do you think we've actually got any goal of the season contenders right now? I'm really struggling. I think um, Finnegal scored a decent one on the first day, didn't he? Did he? Maybe. Oh, it was more of it. Larice, wasn't that quite straightforward? Yeah, um, Medi Larice, his couple of goals have been pretty decent, haven't they? The one against Rotherham, oh, yeah. he stuck in the top corner, didn't he? And then um, was it was it Bristol City's other goal where he sort of cut inside and. And beat the keeper from the edge of the box. Um, yeah, he's got a goal of the season in him, I think. And Ryan Mai finishes well, so he might get one from decent distance that gets it uh, gets a bit of notice. But yeah, there's not been many, has there? Not been like I think, if you think back a couple of years ago, Jimbo like we had Nick, we had uh, Nick Powell popping a few in, didn't we, from outside the box? Uh, we had Lewis Baker scoring. You know how many goals did he scored from outside the box? There was there was quite a few, weren't there? If you if you that type of goal um, is what you know, what what you, you sort of like go for in a goal of the season kind of thing, then we had loads that year. Uh, I think, I'm wondering, I think the way we're playing now, I can see a goal of the season being like a team goal rather than an individual strike. I think we'll probably, before the end of the season's out, you'll see one of those like, you know, incisive moves where, you know, seven, eight, nine passes maybe back, you know, keeper to, um, from our keeper to, to the goal, but, you know, all forward, one touch passing maybe, and it all just comes off. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, <laughs> a couple of players I want to mention. Uh, Jack Bonham. Now he's worrying me a bit because he was very, very solid on Saturday. I thought he had a very good game. I think he probably deserves to be mentioned because you know there's been enough times when I and you and many others have given him plenty of stick. Um, but yeah, say he had a really good game. He was his handling was good. Uh, there was one poor clearance really that went straight to an Ipswich player about 40 yards out straight to him and yeah, we nearly you know, he, he made himself a bit of work off the back of that as well but other than that it was like I say his handling was good he looked quite calm um, he did the you know, he good, good game management towards the end you know if he had to claim a cross or saved a shot he was doing you know go, he'd go down and you know, take his seconds or whatever before he got rid of the ball it was Worryingly, I think he might be making a good impression with the manager, and we all know what will happen come the start of February if the manager thinks, "Oh, well, this, this keeper's done all right for me. I'm, I'm, I'll, I can leave him until the end of the season." <laughs> I, 
Actually, well, it's about time that uh, had, had a good game, mate. It's only taken him, what, 250 club appearances to make one. That's good. You're very harsh. Very harsh. <laughs> I, am, I am very harsh. I'm, I'm sorry, I heard that stat at the weekend, 250th appearance, I think it was. Like, you're joking me. Not for Stone. Hell? That must be in his, that must be in his career. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, he hasn't been here long enough for all that. And no. it was Sky Sports came out with that. And I was like, I, I, I turned my nose up. I like, can't mean just Stoke. But No, I think it's 52 for Stoke, I think. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd, I'd take a couple of hundred off. Uh, but 250th uh, appearance, which, yeah, I mean, I don't know how he's made 50 for Stoke, if I'm honest with you, but it shows the state of our goalkeeper in the last couple of years. Exactly. That was his 50th championship appearance. Uh, he's 58. 58 appearances he's made for Stoke. 57 starts, one sub-appearance. Uh, and he's been an unused sub on 52 occasions as well. So there you go. So, yes, definitely not 250 for us, but a fair share of them, over 20%, and growing. <laughs> uh, but, yes, I still think we do the goalkeeper uh, because this is what he does. He can be very solid. He can have good games. Um, but what he does do is he has too many ricks in him, to be fair. Over the course of a season, I think he has... He makes too many big mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I would still like a new goalkeeper. And, of course, I don't think we can do a review of this match without mentioning the return of a certain Benjamin Wilmot. Came off the bench for the last 15, 20 minutes. Yes, he came off the bench, back from a, what was a nasty knee injury. Uh, it didn't do, didn't do too much. Just nice to see him back on the field. I think he, it was funny because there was a few times when the ball got past him and he was sort of the, the, the furthest back and he'd have sort of an Ipswich player like, you know, running at him and he was very quickly just like, I think I'll just, I think I'll just give this to Jack Bonham. I'm not taking any risks. I do not want to be the full guy for this. I do not want to come off the bench and uh, you know cost the team, cost the game <laughs> straight away. So, uh, yeah, he played it safe, which is absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, just like I say, nice to see him out there. And hopefully he'll go from strength to strength because definitely he will be a plus to get him back in that defence, I think. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Jack Bonham. I, uh, Jack Bonham? <laughs> I'm absolutely bloody not. Click that, click that up. <laughs> <laughs> You're not taking that clip. Uh, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Ben Wilmot. Um, I think it, we've seen how good he can be. He can spray the ball well. He's never one for making stupid mistakes. I think he probably needs somebody better than Luke McNally next to him, if I'm honest. But that's not going to be something that's probably going to be viable, I, I don't think unless we can get a quality loan or something made from the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I think, look, Ben's a really good player. He was player of the season uh, the other year for a reason. Uh, he, he's he's a really nice guy. His position is good. He's very good at set pieces. When we're talking about the lack of goals from set pieces, you know, the amount of times that that guy goes and wins a header and either puts it in himself or, you know, puts it on a plate for somebody else. Uh, he's He's very dangerous from that position. And, you know, the, the amount of... When we had that little run of games when he got injured, and I think it was Rose and McNally who were actually doing well at one point. And it was our like, call, oh, you know, we clearly aren't missing Ben Wilmot. And I'm like, just give it time because you will miss Ben Wilmot. And again, people remember, he's a really young player as well. You know, we didn't pay much for him from Watford. 
it was you know there's there's so much capability there, and I think people you know someone's doing a steady Eddie job because that's just it. He would just do his job. And, you know, he goes out injured, somebody comes in, has a good few games, and it's, oh, we didn't need that person anyway. And I think, I mean, I'm not sure about you, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but if you would have offered me, you know, Michael Rose or Ben Wilmot, <laughs> is it even a contest? I mean, there's no contest there for me. No, not at all. And just on the subject then, if you want to know, 94 appearances for State for Ben Wilmot. Only Tyrese Campbell and uh, Jordan Thompson have got more in the current squad. So, yes, just, just, we'll just take that out there. Yeah, so he'll be 80s 100 soon. Um, yeah, I think he's going to really suit Stephen Schumacher as well. I think he'll be uh, a, a defender who Schumacher will be comfortable to give the, um, the responsibility of playing out from the back with. Because uh, I think he likes, he obviously likes that, doesn't he? He's also a a ball carrying defender. He can take it into midfield and he can drive forward with it. So yeah, I think he's got all the attributes um, for to be a Stephen Schumacher centre back. Easily, yeah. Uh, man of the match for this game, mate. So uh, we had John Ho and Barnum just missed out on the medal positions, uh, but to third place was Junior Chamadu. Second was a Wouter Berger, knocked off top spot by, drumroll please, the returning Lewis Baker. So yes, Baker got man of the match. Um, It was quite tight to name a Berger, but yes, first person in four matches not to to be behind a Wouter Berger in one of our polls. Yeah, I thought he had a well-deserved, well, he got my vote. I thought he was... um, yeah, we really showed it was it was an insight into what Baker was before this sort of injury struck, and um, you know whether his role changed under Alex Neal. But it seemed to be a lot, you know, like I say, a lot, a lot more fluid with his movements, a lot better uh, decision making, and I suppose a player like him as well. When you're looking at like I say his, his passing or whatever, he's, he's going to benefit, isn't he, from from having. Uh, the opportunity, you know, the opportunity to run on and and have people moving around him as well as to all the midfielders and that you know there's so much more movement in the side now compared to the, the rigidity what they were playing with previously. Um, there was a couple of times I know there's just a negative in that that I think Ryan May, uh, Ryan May, sorry, took the ball on halfway and he was holding the centre half off, and he then backheeled it and Baker was making the run in behind him, and. I think Baker maybe was expecting the ball to be played on, so he was maybe looking to make the run, thinking he'll just turn it round the corner in a minute and I'll just keep running. And my back heeled it into what would have been his path, uh, but Baker sort of like edge or overshot it by like half a yard, so he had to sort of like try and stop his momentum to, to claim the ball and didn't. And my sort of threw his arms up in the air and I thought, that'll come because... Obviously, he's not expecting. He's not been playing with players who would have backheeled the ball to him in that position. There, has he? He's used to playing with the standard thing of hold the ball up and then maybe look to either play it to someone else who then play forward, or maybe just like say turning around the centre half when the run's gone past. Um, so I think the more he plays and gets used to playing with the the flair of people like my Berger Vidigal, I think the the better he'll be as well because. He is a player who will look to get forward 
and we saw with the run for Berger, we did a slow goal. You know, he was with 10 men, he was there charging furthest one forward. The midfield could really start contributing some goals now, and um, Ryan Meyer as well could be vital to, to getting them all involved. Like we said as well, uh, as well with that, that let's again, it's very easy to forget because it's been that busy, but it's worth remembering that these players, especially the likes of Baker and Co., they've not really had a proper training session, uh, you know, tactical training session. This has been recovery, you know, probably look back at the previous video, look forward to the analysis that the team have done, you know, videos and stuff from that, maybe worked on a couple of things, you know, shape and training. But as far as like proper training sessions where we can get them in and drill them and spend really quality time, the likes of Baker and stuff, they've, you know, he's coming back from injury, so he's probably not full on exactly the same regiment as maybe some of them are as well i just think this is what i mean like let's we've got past these horrible sets of games now we've still got a couple more to go but either way we get back into what is probably more of a normal schedule so i think we'll only actually improve from this point on when we've actually had proper training sessions and i think i think baker is going to be one of them who's really going to benefit from that i think and and wilmot i think when when he can get them on the training ground and see them for a prolonged period of time, he'll see how good these people are. Yeah, I think you're right there. Like I said, they must have had a very limited training with the, with the new manager so far. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to you know get get his message across there, hasn't he? Um, well, the sport the sports science guys say that you need generally at least 48 hours to recover from a game. And that's before even worrying about anything tactically on a training ground. So if you haven't really got a 48 clear hour periods to to recover and you know relax the muscles and all that stuff that is way above my head, like there's a reason they say this stuff. You know they're not making this up. So they haven't really had, you know, especially when you think about the, the people who are playing three games in a week, like you can, or even four games in what was it, eight days or something, eight nine days. Like there's the recovery time is next to nothing. So that's why you see all these increased injuries, but um, I think there's a lot of injuries about them as well. And every club seems to have you know double digit injuries or close to, and you're probably right with um, you know the, the bloated fixture congestion this time of year is probably not helping matters. Um, one last thing to say: Player of the Month for December for the Every Step Along the Way polls was uh, Juno was in third with 92 points, Gooch second with 113. And Wouterberger, with 133 points, took that. So he'd been second in November, second in October. He's now got his first Player of the Month award from us. So well done, Wouterberger. So let's get into the news. So there's not really a lot about at the minute. There's, there's a couple of links with players, which we'll mention in a minute. Um, there's also... Matthew Etherington being sacked by Colchester on New Year's Day, Mark. Happy New Year to others. <laughs> um, that was that was sort of any other business for this week. Um, but yeah, there's not been, like I say, too much. I suppose there's been that many games and that going on. There's not been time for the club to release anything. It's <laughs> very note of anything else. The only thing Tom's... I've really seen myself is uh, is the uh, it's, it's what kid for a quid uh, for Brighton's club yes. game, I think. Yes, so the uh, the Brighton Cup game Saturday is kids for a quid. I think it's tenner for adults as well. So yeah. it's not the, um, which is a good offer from the from the uh, the club. I think you know, so it should hopefully boost the crowd a little bit. 
um, compared to what it probably would have been. Uh, fact, we haven't got a home game for two weeks after that as well. And obviously we are sort of playing well at the minute as well. You're getting good results. The, the crowd, you know, really behind the players showed at the end of the game against Ipswich, you know, they were... Um, you were just you know, city till I die, or we love you, city. At the end, um, chance coming down, and pretty much, you know, I'd say you know a large, large proportion of the fans had stayed to the final whistle, um, and he stayed afterwards to applaud, uh, you know, applaud the team round and the manager and that. So, it's got the makings for a decent crowd. I'd say I don't think it was going to be massive. I don't think you can let people in free of charge. I don't think you get a massive crowd down, would you? Um, for games like this, but. I think, like I say, it should be decent, decent to, uh, you know, talking easier into probably, you know, 12, 14,000, would you say, I reckon? A prediction. I'll put you, I'll put you on, the, uh, on the spot. I'm going to say 11,400 uh, will be there. Um, I think that's what we should do with Simon King, you know. We should ask him, right, you've done kids for a quid, now do kids for nothing. Or pay for an adult, bring a kid for nothing. Yeah. How about podcasters go free? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> podcasters go free in a in a private box. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll that'll, invite, that'll do. We'll invite John and Ricky to come sit with us and we'll talk them through our transfer strategies. <laughs> well, talking of our transfer strategy, uh, I've got four positions that I think we could do with strengthening. That I wouldn't be adverse to assigning a player for, shall we say? Um, so I've had a look around at what mainly loan deals. I think I think that's probably January's a loan deal to kind of time, isn't it? Um, so maybe I'd look at you know players who aren't getting game time, or you know players who are sort of you know open to a move, contracts running down, that kind of stuff. Um, so we're going to start with centre backs, Mike. So I'm going to give you three people for each position. And like I say, these aren't, these, I'm not saying these um, are the top three or whatever. These are three names that I've found for each position. And if you've got a better one, by the way, by all means, tell me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, let's be honest, it doesn't matter what we say. Jared Dublin's Black Book is going to pull out some, I think as I would have said to you, a Venezuelan goalkeeper and a Lithuanian left-back. Um, I'm sure. So, yeah, I, I don't know any of them. <laughs> I'll leave that bit to Jared. Um, but yes, centre backs. So I've got Charlie Cresswell at Leeds. Uh, he's been linked with Stoke before. He's not really fancied at Leeds. He's not getting any game time at all. Not setting foot on the pitch. Um, loan deal, maybe. He's always impressed. He's very much impressed, isn't he, at Millwall last season? Um, so yeah, you're looking for games. This is the same Creswell as our ex Stokey Richard Creswell, yeah. Yes, it's his son. Yeah, so I think that's personally a lazy link uh, that I've seen. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't be interested, but I think there's going to be probably. I mean, I haven't seen you on this to names just for anyone who's, who's thinking, but I imagine I know who you, who's going to be on this list of three. I know, I know, I prefer him. Uh, but look, yeah, I suppose. But I do think it's just. It's just one of those like too easy to link type players for me, if I'm honest. So I'd yeah. definitely take him, but I, I I don't see it. Okay, so another defender at Leeds is Liam Cooper. So 
I don't know if he's still club captain there or he was. You know, he's obviously got a vast experience, 32, but he's out of contract in the summer. Um, obviously, he's got Premier League experience. He's got Leeds promoted at this division before. Um, now, would you think a small fee and an 18-month deal might suit all parties there? You know, Stoke get a, an experienced, um, you know, championship quality, you know, high-end championship quality defender in for cheap. He gets an extra 12 months contract at, at you know, age 32, which will take him through to 33, 34, and Leeds get a little bit of money for someone who's probably going to leave for nothing in the summer. Um, I think if we signed him permanently, it'd be the end of the likes of Michael Rose. I don't think he's, because clearly he'd go in ahead of him. And I'm not sure what Rose would think of that, although he might feel his days in number anyway, in fairness. Uh, it would be the end of Kyron Clark. Well, it, yeah, it would be the end of Clark as well, which, to be honest, I don't think any of us have been very impressed with him. And I imagine that neither is Shui either, to be honest, since he hasn't been playing him. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I'd probably want to see a bit more of him in terms of seeing understanding what type of a natural defender he is, because I can't really say I've, I've noticed him in all that much. I, th- I was for first only to thirty-two years. Do we really want someone that old? And I was thinking, actually, if he's fit and he's he's got some quality, then thirty-two really isn't all that much. It's certainly not a Jagielka at forty-one. Who let, let, let's be honest, Jags was pretty solid until he's what forty. So again, it always depends on the temperament, the fitness, and all that. So not ruling it out, Dan. Um, but. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'd want to sign him permanently. I know we're not getting. Him, we wouldn't get him a loan, probably not. But I wouldn't sign him on a permanent deal. I think you wait till the summer if you're talking perm deals, and you'll get someone better than that. Okay. So how about the third option then, Harry Suter, the returning Harry Suter? So Leicester, he's made one start this season, which was ironically against us, and he's also made two very brief sub appearances. He's not even getting on the bench at the minute. Connor Cody is now the sort of you know the, the benched centre back, um, so he's he's sat in the stands. Surely, surely we should be at least inquiring, shouldn't we? And and to have a look to see if Harry wants, even if it's just a six month loan, to see him through to the summer. I think Shuey would love to have Harry Suter as defender. Imagine, you know. Imagine with all this free, this movement and everything, and him being able to carry the ball out as he does. You know, his passing's fantastic. He's he's got everything, anti. Yeah, and as Ben Rowley would say, Auga. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, there you go, Ben. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is the definition of a no-brainer for me. We know how good he is. We know his qualities. He, he, I would just imagine him and Ben Wilmot together uh, again. I think that I think that would be absolutely perfect. Um, do I think we would be the only ones going for him? Not in a million years. I think there'll be a lot of of really top clubs uh, that would try and go for him. If I'm honest with you, if you looked at the championship, you know, you've got to be looking at. I mean, if I was one of those top six teams, uh, maybe a an Ipswich actually. I think I could actually see him settling in quite well uh, for Ipswich. And then, you know, you look at the likes of Leeds. There's and no like way. That. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was rude. I interrupted you. Uh, but there's no way, though, is there that Leicester are going to send Ipswich 
Well, no. I mean, I'm time. just saying, in terms of the... Sorry, I should have really specified that. I'm talking that the style of, of, of play, the style of club, yeah. needs to go to somebody of that nature where they are going to play that type of football, which is why, in terms of actual people to go to, again, they probably wouldn't send him, but it's still there's someone like a Leeds. Because, let's be honest, Leeds aren't going to go and, and cause any danger to... Um, to Leicester, they're not going to be having that. That's the place that I could see him going. Um, Southampton, they won't go there because that's going to cause danger. But it needs to be someone of that Ipswich style, uh, where he's going to fit in. But like you said, they're not going to send him there. There's very few teams in that top six they probably would be comfortable sending him to. So, what a, I mean, what a Premier League deal, a transfer beyond the cards, maybe. Maybe, maybe. like a Sheffield United or a. Yeah, um, exactly. Another yeah, column. Um, uh, yeah, that's just you know, just someone who's in that kind of lower echelons of the of the Premier League. I think would be a, a move that he would try and do. I'd say Luton. Obviously, you know, we had the you know the, the um, poor Tom Lockyer. You know, had this, his incident and that, and you know, I'd very much doubt he's going to you know step foot on the on the pitch at least to the remainder of this season. Um, so, could Suter go there? Obviously, that's... that's uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. But it's Premier League football, isn't it? He knows Luton are going to come back down. Uh, so, I, I don't think it'd ever be a permanent well, they, they, Out of all the priority clubs, they're the only one who like, possibly could stay up, aren't they? Yeah, I think they'll, they'll come unstuck, though. I, I, do, I do think they will. I think it'll be closer than anyone expected it to be. Um, including probably us. I, I thought they were going to go down with the record lowest points total, but I, I don't know. I think you would just see it as I'll go and get myself another six months. Well, not quite six months, but you know, a, a good deal of of you know Premier League time. Get my face back on there. You know, I'm going to be all over Sky Sports every week. I'm going to be in match of the day. You know, I'm going to be easily scouted by other teams, and he'll be he'll, he'll purely use this next you know four or five months to put himself on the shop window. It'll be no more than that. Right. So, okay. uh, yeah, obviously, it's a very long, it's a long one. We've done three centre-backs, but uh, yeah, suitor every time for me. Okay, left-backs, I don't think we'll be having much on this. So, um, I'd say the far-fetched one out of three is Johnny Otto at Wolves. Obviously, you know, he, he was, I think he was, what was he, 20, 20 million quid from Atletico Madrid they signed him for. Uh, can't get a game though. Can't get a game at all. Um, Twenty-nine years old, made one appearance this season. Could he? Could he be? Obviously, he's, he's, is he not? Gonna, he's not going to want to sit on the bench or sit in the stands, even which is why you do the minutes for the remainder of the season. Is he at twenty-nine? Should Stoke be throwing a, a sneaky loan bid in for him? I mean, it's, it could do no harm, but again, I think he's going to be wanting someone who's. Chasing those promotion uh, promotion places. To be honest, I think unfortunately, yep. you know, we we're not going to have the luxury of just picking these players off. We're, we're nothing special right now. So if I'm a if I'm him, if I'm Wolves, I'd be going right. Let's send you to a top six club. We're fighting for promotion. Uh, we're going to play really attractive football, guaranteed. Blah blah blah. Uh, I would choose them over us, unfortunately, for this season. It might also be a case, you know, of the the club thing. Well, you know. If we bring him in, we've got to pay a big loan fee for some of these players and and you know, big wages. And actually, you know, what are we 
sort of playing that four when come the summer, those players will be gone and you know that money then sort of that we could do with that money in the summer to to spend on a permanent player for the next season when we start on a level playing field. It could yeah. be a, a, they might not want to splash out big wages and big loan fees for players this you know for the unless it's like a position like say for a, a goalkeeper or something like that where you know it's like well we do actually need you know if Jack Bottom got injured we'd have to go out and get a goalkeeper wouldn't we um the other one uh Nuno Tavares so he's on loan at Nottingham Forest from Arsenal not played since September um Arsenal apparently are on the verge of recalling him to send him out again if he can't go in at Forest, could he be looking for a drop-down move to the Championship, maybe? Do you think that Arsenal would give us one of their players? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Uh, not, they might be thinking about still Arsene Wenger gets on the phone and says, uh, Mr Arteta, what are you thinking? <laughs> yeah, um, so- I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it. I, don't, I, I couldn't even say I've seen him play, mate, so I can't really comment on, on that one, I'm afraid. Well, one lad who I think he must have seen play is the third option. He's just come back from injury. So, will he be required at, at his club, Sheffield United, or not? Reese Norrington Davis. Just like I say, the one appearance this season, but he has been injured. Uh, but he's back fit again now. Could he Would he be a, a shoey type? I know he was all energy and effort when he was here before, wasn't he? Uh, sometimes a bit over energetic <laughs> and uh, committed but but yeah I think he's probably got the right temperament and game for a for a shoey a defender yeah right temperament uh, right kind of approach to play to, there's already some good communication between the, t- the other two clubs on that one I think we've shown that we've been able to you know develop a couple of loans we've had from them in the past so yeah I mean I can, I can see that one I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing whether we could get a permanent deal out of that one in the summer, though. I don't know how how realistic that is. But, uh, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd take that one. Yeah, I think he, um, that's probably the most realistic out of the three. And out of the three, they're probably the most suited, like the long, the possibly the best long-term option as well, isn't he? Would you like goalkeepers or strikers slash wingers slash attackers? <laughs> Slash bench players, slash referee. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll go with goalkeepers next. So goalkeepers. So um, we've got the re- the return of Mark Travers from Bournemouth. So obviously, previously been here, twenty four years old. The only negative for us really is he's actually been on the bench for Bournemouth every week <laughs> since he went back. So he hasn't actually played, but he's sort of number two. And the guy they've got on loan from Inter, Radu. He's back fit and everything, and has been for a number of weeks, but can't get seem to displace Travers off the bench. So whether they'd be happy to send Travers out and then make Radu number just stick Radu on the bench because obviously he's on loan from Inter, so there's not really a lot they can do with that. I'm not sure how willing Bournemouth are going to be to let him go at this stage. Hopefully, they're like you know if we if we put enough sort of funds down, they'll happily let Travers leave and um, just have Radu as number two. Well, I said this to you before, when, when, when he went back down, I, I, I kind of said that they could probably start to try and milk us a little bit now as far as fees go. I don't think I'd really want to bring him back on a loan basis 
I definitely want to make this permanent. So 100% and have him back. We've seen his qualities. So I don't think that's ever in doubt for me. I know there's another person I think I'd, I've seen mentioned in the, in the media. I probably won't steal your thumb, uh, you know, your actual limelight a little bit. Um, but yeah, 100% Travers, we've seen his qualities. I just want that on a permanent basis. I'm sick of this constant lone merry-go-round at the minute. We've had, what, a couple of seasons now where our goalkeepers have been the weakest I can remember in recent memory. And I think we need to get away from that now. Yeah, for sure. So if Harry Suter's coming, do you think he might have room in his car for Daniel Everson? Yes, um, absolutely. Leicester goalkeeper had a fantastic spell at Preston. Um, Preston fans still talk about how great he is and you know, took every opportunity to tell us what a great goalkeeper um, we could be getting uh, if we bring him in. Uh, he hasn't been in his squad for Leicester since the 12th of August. He made no appearances this season. Um, previously been keen on him loan slash permanent deal maybe loan with a view to a permanent deal what? yeah I can see that I can, I can really see that Dan we, we we almost got him last time I think it's an easy one to reignite if there's still a bit of desire on both sides so yeah I think Luke <laughs> he could get Iverson and uh, <laughs> Travers which ain't gonna happen but you know if he could get that it's like getting to- uh, Tommy Sorensen and Begovic at the same time like in their primes, you wouldn't do it. Uh, and I'm not saying these two are, are in their prime, right? But still, as far as quality goes, you can only probably dream of a number one and number two, I think, of of that quality in terms of where we are right now. Um, but look, I think Iverson or Travers, for me, have got to be the top two selections. I wouldn't even consider any other two, any two or three goalkeepers. I think for me, it's the, it's them two. Otherwise, unless they've got someone, as you said, some Venezuelan goalkeeper, then we may have to just stick with what we've got until, uh, you know, the, the summer. How about then? And I don't know how you spell his, I don't know how you pronounce his first name. I think it's Kyman Callagher from Liverpool. So he's played a lot of cup games for Liverpool in recent years, hasn't he? And to be honest, he's been pretty outstanding. But when you've got Alisson in goal, you've got to be pretty decent to dislodge him, haven't you? At Liverpool, let's be honest, he's not going to get a game. And I think it's been about four or five years where he's, you know, he's, he's been like say playing all these cup matches at Liverpool. He's twenty five now. He for himself, need, you know, Republic of Ireland international. He needs to get himself out and get some proper games, doesn't he? He's deferred of his career because as as good as he is, he's not going to get the he's not going to get regular game time at Liverpool whilst Alisson's there. So, he needs games. We need to keep it. He's a very, very talented goalkeeper. He's proven that. Um, alone, maybe even a permanent deal, if we can sell him the dream and get him, you know, a three and a half, four and a half year contract. Um, good luck with his wages is one thing I'd say. I don't, I, I mean, I know he won't be on stupid like Alisson level money, but, I don't see that one. I, again, I think there's clubs way ahead of us who could probably go and get get that one over the line if they wanted it to. Um, if I'm him, that again, it, it comes down to mentality. If he thinks he can get, you know, the the run of games and the cups, but can still play for Liverpool, he might just be happy to do that. I know what you're saying, like 25, get out there and you know get just you know just just get out there and get some experience and. 
maybe find yourself a permanent club. You know, not all goalkeepers want to do that, strangely. Um, but look, yeah, of course, you can't turn him down. But I, I genuinely think, Dan, there'll be a handful of clubs way ahead of us, unfortunately, for that one. So, yeah, it's Iverson or Travers for me, I'm afraid. Yes, he is a bit of a wild card, isn't he? Um, not really much choice, but yes, I'd be happy with either Travers or Everson there. Um, strikers slash wingers, we've got Ben Brereton Diaz. Of course, his name's going to pop up on here. Of course. Of course, Villarreal, he's got, he went there in the summer. He's not a great successful time, uh, and he's after a return to England. So he says it's his dream to come play for Stoke. Could this be the opportunity? You know, could he tick the box? You know, and um, if he just comes here on loan for six months or something, you know, tick a box. Say, yeah, I've done it now. I've played for Stoke, and then in the summer he can he can carry on with his career. Or if he settles here and he has a great time, then we can get him permanently. Do you I'm think? I'm just trying to imagine where he's going to slot in because you know you, that means you you might have to drop Brian Mai. Um, which... Well, he played off the left wing a lot for Blackburn. That's where he had most of his success. You think he's um, dropping Vidigal then? Well, if, I, mean, honest, I mean, it's not I much of a competition, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 it would be a competition. Plus, if my needs a rest, when we haven't got to rely on Dwight Gale. Who... <laughs> of course, anything that'll do. That's I, fine. I, I didn't even mention his miss at the weekend. He literally. I, have you have you seen that, Mike? Have you? <laughs> I haven't seen the miss, but I've just assumed that it was from half a yard and he well, managed to put it over the bar. That's how I imagine it. Well, the cross, I think it was Henry crossed it in and we sort of broke away a bit down the wing. It's gone back to Henry. He's looked up and he's whipped this cross in. And to be fair, it was absolutely slatting it down and it was windy. So the ball's come in for the win. Now, the centre half is one of them where he's like, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Oh crap! I haven't got this. Oh no, no, no! He's gone over his head, and Gale is stood behind. But he's peeled off two or three yards off behind, and he's literally six yards out, in between the sticks, and he's just got to make a connection, just divert it goalwards, and he completely air shots it as it comes down and misses the ball altogether. Standard buddy Gale. I, I mean, <laughs> soon if if. If Schumacher has not figured him out yet, then... I, I did sort really of say, didn't I, that maybe it was Alex Neal that was making the playback because he had all them chances under Michael O'Neill at the start of last season. He was scoring all them goals and giving offside. I think he answered myself with that chance on Saturday. <laughs> um, so, yes, Ben Brereton Diaz, he can play left wing and then he can also give my arrest or rotation or whatever, or even allow my to, to play on the wing or play a bit deeper, um, you know, rotate it around. Do you think, obviously, he, didn't, he scored a lot of goals for Blackburn, didn't have the best of season last season um, after an injury, and then he's not done great at Villarreal. Do you think there'll be Premier League interest in Ben Brereton, Diaz? Uh, maybe from a newly promoted team. I think if not, then I think there will be a absolute huge clambering for him if he's willing to drop into the championship next year. But I think, yeah, a team getting promoted will probably take a bit of a gamble on him, I imagine. Yeah, I think if we're up against championship clubs, I think due to his connections, whatever, we probably stand as good a chance as any if it's just a, a six-month loan isn't it, where he can come and, you know, like I say, tick a box, reignite his career and then 
make a bigger decision on his future in the in the summer, can't he? Uh, Long term, um, like I say, whether whether we uh, get outed by some Premier League clubs, then we'll have to wait and see. Now, what about this one? Uh, we've already had one Liverpool sort of youngster. Well, he's not a youngster anymore, is he, Keller? But Ben Doak at Liverpool, 18 years old, Scottish, very, very highly rated. Had a handful of games for Liverpool so far, which 18 is is impressive. I know, sort of, you know, they love him there. Could he come out to gain some experience? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. It's not, it's not one you look at and go, well, that's completely unrealistic. Uh, I don't think so. I think yeah, any anyone who's in that eighteen to twenty one bracket who isn't a first team regular, maybe is barely gain on a bench. I think anyone like that's going to really want some experience. If I found Liverpool or United or whoever it is, you've you've got to be looking to send those players out. And you know, Championship team, hopefully next season, you know, we're going to be on the front foot. We're going to be playing attacking football. It's going to be pretty on the eye. He's going to have a chance to to learn as well. So I think that'd be a, an ideal one. Maybe, I say, maybe a, a short loan with view to extending it throughout next season if, if everything goes well. Yeah, and one last one. It's funny you should mention Man United. Uh, Ahmad Diallo. So obviously, he's just back from injury now. And it's funny because he did actually play sort of 20-odd minutes for United the other day. Um, I think there'd be a lot of competition for him. Because last season he was possibly the best player in the championship for Sunderland. Um, you know, he scored plenty of goals, he created loads of chances, assists. Um, I know they were praying that they got him back again this year, uh, but then United sort of kept him, didn't they? And then he, like I say, he picked up an injury. He's back fit. If United want to send him out for the second half of this season to sort of, like say, get him going again, ready for the following year, and possibly just get him away from the shambles that that club is at the minute. They've got no European football as well, so it's not as if they've got the extra, the bigger squad because they've got the extra games. He, If he is available and he ends up back in the Championship, whoever gets him has got a real player. Um, so would you like to see him at Stoke, or could you see him at Stoke? Um. From what I remember of him previously, yeah, I, I'd take that player. We've all seen it, though, when players come back from injuries, how they either don't get back to their normal selves or takes too long, whether we'd see whether we'd see the same type of player in, in, in that type of time frame. Uh, you never know, do you? So, yeah, look, I think we, you're right. There's going to be a lot of competition for somebody like that. I personally think, again, I do ourselves down so much here just at times, but... Again, I, I think there's other teams that would benefit from him and get more out of it than than we would. So I would see him, you know, maybe go back to you know go back to Sunderland. Uh, I, I mean, they're the the challenging, aren't they? So I could see that one happening. I understand what you're saying. I think he's. It depends, I suppose, if, as well. If you if United want to keep him closer to home, because um, I know sometimes with loans, it's there in this area. Maybe trains. Most of it was, but maybe it was one day back with Man United, so they can, um, you know, that's been done with loan players before, hasn't it? With, um, you know, especially youngsters and that. So, yeah, I think I say he's a very talented boy anyway. So, if he does end up out on loan, he'll be, um, I'm sure he'll do well for whoever he ends up with. Um, 
Yeah, they're the ones I've written down. I mean, like I say, they, I'm not saying they're the best. I was just looking for possible targets um, and get some some ideas going. If anyone's got any any players, do you think we should be signing or should be looking at? Then yeah, feel free to uh, you know send us them on uh, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you follow us. Um, yeah, we'll be quite happy to look at some names and dig dig a little bit of research. We could we could even. I make it a weekly thing while January is on. Just if people send us some names, we could just do a bit of research on them. Right. Is it time to talk about Brighton, do you think, mate? Oh, well, why not? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So, Brighton Hove Albion in the cup. We have played Brighton on 42 occasions. We have 16 wins, 16 draws, 10 defeats. At Stoke, 22 games, 10 wins, 8 draws and 4 losses. Uh, last season's round five loss at the Bet365 was the first home loss to Brighton since 1961, which is 17 games, nine wins and eight draws we had in that time. Uh, we've played Brighton in two cup games, both in the FA Cup and both at Stoke. We beat them 3-0 in round five in 2011 before losing 1-0 in round five last season. Um, in the FA Cup, Stoke have gone out in round three of five of the last seven years. Um, that sounds terrible, but the two years we didn't were the last two years when we got to round five in both. Uh, whilst Brighton have won 12 of their last 14 round three ties, uh, their two losses be the 1-0 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday in 2020 and a 1-0 defeat to Hull in 2014. Uh, they've made two semi-finals in the last five years as well. Uh, so Stokes Cup home record. It's been 13 home games in the FA Cup since we had a draw, which was Cardiff in 2011. Uh, Tunchai sort of rescued that and we went on to make the final that year, didn't we? Uh, they've had eight, lo- eight wins and five losses since, uh, which ironically, that run started with the, with the victory over Brighton. <laughs> Um, Stoke versus Premier League teams in the Cup we've actually lost our last seven matches versus Premier League opposition dating back to the 2011 final against Manchester City Uh, Stoke's home form we have four wins, four draws, five defeats at home in the Championship uh, with also two home wins in the League Cup Uh, the penalty versus Swansea scored by Daniel Johnson and the own goal against Leeds are the only goals we've scored, though, in 673 minutes at home. So we're not exactly prolific in front of our own fans at the minute, are we? Uh, Brighton's away form, not amazing. Not amazing. In the league, three wins, three draws, four defeats. 
in all competitions this season, obviously they've been in the Europa League and the League Cup as well. Uh, five wins, four draws and five defeats. Uh, their away losses have come at Chelsea twice, once in the League, once in the League Cup, Arsenal, Manchester City and Aston Villa. So not a bad set of teams to be losing to, either, let's be honest, although Chelsea aren't uh, right up there earlier this season. Uh, this is the first time since 1928 when, believe it or not, we played Arsenal, <laughs> that the team who knocked us out in the previous season are the first side that we face in the next season's competition. Um, so, yeah, first time since 1928 for that one. Um, Brighton have won four consecutive Europa League games without conceding. However, Tuesday's 0-0 draw away at West Ham was their first Premier League clean sheet of the season and they were the last club in all the 92 to get a league clean sheet this season. Um, after scoring in 30 consecutive Premier League games, they've now failed to score, though, in two of their last three away matches. So maybe the goals are just drying up for Brighton a little bit at the minute on the travels. Um, funnily, Brighton have attempted just 14 long goal kicks this season, which is less than anyone in the Premier League. Uh, their average length of their goal kicks is just 14 yards. The next lowest being Tottenham's, who's at 22, so over 50% longer. So that's definitely a tactic that they, they do and um, something we should be looking to maybe get onto, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Brighton have had the most shots on target, 123 and the highest percentage of shots on target, 40.3%, in the whole of the Premier League, uh, whilst only Manchester City have had more passes than their, than their 11,671. <laughs> they like to keep the ball there, don't they? <laughs> uh, the referee for this match is going to be Paul Tierney. Um, so he has had 14 games this season, uh, 12 in the Premier League, one in the League Cup and one in the Championship. He's given 51 yellows, three reds and four penalties in then 14 games. Three home wins, five draws and six away wins. He's ref stoke on five occasions, given us nine yellows, no reds, one penalty for, one penalty against. Two wins, two losses and a draw. And he refed us this season in the 1-0 home win over Leeds. Uh, it's the only non-Premier League game that he's refed this season. The, uh, the Brighton the matches, he's had nine against... Uh, he's ref Brighton on nine occasions, giving them six yellows or one red, two penalties for them, one penalty against. They've had five wins, two draws, two defeats. Uh, he refs, last refereed them in their 3-1 home win against Southampton on the last day of last season. Uh, and since refing Arsenal versus Fulham in August... Both Reds and all three penalties that he's awarded have been against the home side. So that doesn't bode very well, does it? Uh, one last thing. On this day, Sunday the 6th of January 2008, you'll probably remember this well, mate. We were live on BBC One for the first time. Uh, Stoke nearly produced a cup shock. Uh, Shawcross and Court kept out Michael Owen and Mark Viduka as they drew a Newcastle 0-0. Ricardo Fuller and John Parkin both nearly won it for Stoke. But the game ended goalless. So, before now we chat about it, would you like to hear Graham McGarry's thoughts on the match? Go on then. Let's listen to Graham. 
Hello there, you Potters predictors. Well, it's a break from the Championship football this weekend and you've got a, a very attractive FA Cup tie taking on Premier League Brighton Albion at the Bet365 Stadium. So far, so good for Stephen Schumacher's side. Unbeaten under the new manager and signs are things are looking a lot better. Well, what a day it could be if you could turn over the Premier League side. Good footballing team, Brighton. They'll give you a chance to play and what a good day it could be for the Stoke fans to go and get behind their team and hopefully cheer them on to success that they can take on into their next league game. It's tough because Brighton will fancy having a good cup run, of course. They're also been in Europe as well over the last few months and they like the taste of cup football. But Stoke City might just be that one that can cause a bit of an upset. Championship side against the Premier League side? Go on then. Stoke won Brighton nil. Thank you for that, Graham. That is very optimistic. We love that. Cup upsets. We'll, we'll do that. Not very often that we are um, on the right end of a cup upset. Mike, how? Uh, where do you think this one's key? Where, where do you think the key uh, moments and and positions, etc., are going to be in this match? Honestly, I think we're, we're going to have a very similar game to when we played them last year. I think one thing I do remember about that was the the amount of pressure that we had to give for 90 minutes, and it still wasn't quite enough. You know, they're still a good team. I know they're not having as, a, as an amazing season as they have been in the last couple of years. By, by no means has it been disastrous, but, you know, they're, they're still a very well-drilled team. And I think one thing that's actually going to work against us, unfortunately, I think, is going to be our fitness. I think we will probably have one of those games where we stay in it for a good portion of the match and I think our fitness will probably let us down but that's that's for me where we have to go and if we are going to get something we need to take our chances when they come we cannot have five or six shots on target without scoring because they've got more than enough qualities to just pick you off and all it will be is you know 1-0 will turn into two and then two will just turn into them you know not point two banks of four but they will just pass the ball around for fun and they can keep it for as long as they need to keep it for which is going to open up gaps for us and all of a sudden then it can get a little bit difficult from a scoreline perspective so I think we need to go there and you know we turn up put our game forward still try and you know impose ourselves but they are going to probably have the vast majority of that ball so we probably need to almost approach this for me as, a, as an away game expect them to have the possession and try and hit them on the break. If we've got the legs to hit them on the break, I'm very, very conscious of that. And when we look at the actual players we've got on the bench, we saw again against Ipswich, the quality coming off the bench isn't great. So we're going to see, I think, a a number of young lads on there. We're going to see a lot of people who probably have got a point to prove, which is nice. But for me, Dan, I mean, we'll, we'll go to teams in a minute, but for me, it's going to be a bloody difficult one. I'm going to go for a 1-0 loss, unfortunately. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a loss where we're going to be thinking we played crap. I think it's just the, the Premier League quality is just going to edge us out, unfortunately. Well, obviously, if you're wondering what kind of team Brighton are going to put out, because you know, quite a lot of teams do rest players, don't they, at this stage of this cup competition? In there, they played the EFL game away, EFL Cup game, sorry, away at Chelsea. 
and the uh, Europa League. They rarely change the side. Ten players who played five of the five or six of those Europa League group games, and all but one of them, James Milner, has played at least fifteen of their twenty Premier League games as well. So it doesn't seem like they have a lot of changes or they don't weaken the team very much, um, at least in the Europa League as well. Um, I would say there's a a decent-sized injury list, though, without Veltman, Matoma, who's going to be a massive loss, Solly March, um, Tariq Lamptey, Igor, Encisco, Dingra and Ansu Fati are all out through injury. At the minute, so they've got a decent length injury list, which may explain because quite those lot, of, quite a lot of them are attacking players. Might explain why the goals have maybe dried up a little bit for Brighton recently. Um, Lewis Dunk, he missed the game against West Ham, the nil-nil draw. He's back after a ban, um, so he'll probably come back into the side as well. For me, I think that Evan Ferguson, he's been sort of playing second fiddle to Jao Pedro recently. I think we'll see Evan Ferguson coming for this game. And obviously he, you know, started the season on fire empty, but since sort of September time, he's not really been finding the net at all. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on, obviously playing against a championship defence. Um, I would say the keepers rotate as well. So we could have either, you know, either the two goalkeepers, they sort of play every, every two or three games, then they'll switch in two or three games, then switch back again. It's a bit of a strange setup, to be honest. Not really, uh, <laughs> not really see that very often, do you, with goalkeepers? Um, I think personally, people like James Milner, Adam Lallana, uh, Danny Welbeck, I think it's the kind of game you'd probably see Brighton play them in. Um, you know, experienced players who aren't going to, you know, they're going to know full aware, fully aware of what can happen in the FA Cup and and they come to a you know, ground like Stoke when we're going to be up and at them in the faces and that. And like I say, good experienced players there for them. And they're just right the way through the pitch, been there, done it, and can sort of, you know, guide the others who maybe not sort of familiar with, you know, coming to lower league clubs. And, you know, because I think when, Sort of a lot of times when sort of you know, foreign players come in, they'll they expect the top division to be great because but the, the championship is unlike any other second tier league anywhere else in the world, isn't it? For standard and that, and I think sometimes like say players when they first play against a team from a lower league, when they've come from say abroad and that they maybe don't understand or don't expect the challenge to be as high as it actually is. Um, so yeah, they've got some good. I say players who've been there, done it, will know all about it. Um, do we go strong? That's the thing. Yeah, there's two very high pressing sides. Um, Brighton like to play it out, certainly, as we mentioned before, you know, only 14 long goal kicks all season, so they're going to be playing out from the back, you know, straight to the centre half, so if that, just, you know, build up, build up, everyone gets touches, move it through. It's an opportunity for us to really try and pin them back. And like you said, that is going to leave gaps behind. But it's, I've, you know, do we go strong? Do we go with legs? Do we go with pace? Um, what sort of team are you sort of thinking? I think, I think we've got half a chance, especially depending on what team they put out. So I would, I would be going as strong as we can, to be honest. 
Um, if Brighton aren't feeling this on Saturday, you know we don't know where you know, they've they've got big commitments in the league. They've got Europe still to come. How high is this actually on their you know on their list of um, objectives for the year to do, you know, to do the FA Cup? Is it just going to be a is it going to cost them in the league and in Europe later on in the competition? If so, they might as well, we as well get out of it now. Or at least play... I think there's an element. Go on. I think there's an element of, as much as they're thinking that, I think there's an element of, like, Luke, we've got two really winnable games coming up for us. And do we really want to risk any injuries? Do we want to maybe rest a few players? Except that, yeah, we'll try and do our best from a team, the strongest team as we can get away with. But I think there's a lot more for us to gain from feeling a stronger team against, was it Rotherham and then Birmingham, I think it is. Like, those are two games that you've got to be absolutely looking to win. Brighton, for me, if it means we get two wins from Rotherham and Birmingham, which we absolutely should be, then um, it's simple as that for me. We we lose this game. If that's what it takes, then that's what we need to do. We need to focus on staying up this season and we'd have to be bloody disastrous U-turn from a an okay form we've got. It would have to be bad for us to really go down that route. But this is Stoke City. Just when you think everything's getting better, it kicks you in the balls. So, um, Luke, Dan, for me, I think team-wise, I think I'm agree with you. I think we will field a stronger team. But there's a couple of key changes that I'm making. Uh, Jack Bonham's being dropped for sinking. Wow. Um, so, it's a big pull, that one. <laughs> Well, again, if we've got very little to lose, why not give him some experience? I mean, what's what generally what what what's the worst that can happen? Um, so you got Simkin in there. We've got so I'm, I'm thinking about like loan restrictions here a little bit. So will will Hoover be uh, cup tied? I don't think he will be really. Well, he won't be cup tied. Um, we just need permission, and he's he's here for the season, isn't he? So. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to remain eligible. Uh, there's no point in Wolf saying that he can't play in it because he's he's on loan for the whole season, isn't he? So by the time he exactly. gets back to them, it'll be the next the next round, the next um, competition, next year's competition. Yeah, exactly. I thought, okay, fine. So yeah, so Henry plays right back, uh, McNally in the middle, and Ben Wilmot will come alongside him. I think this is a perfect game to get some real time in Ben Wilmot's legs. Competitive game is going to push him a little bit. He's going to have to be on the ball. So I think it's perfect. So I think if he does really well here, then I think he plays against Rotherham for me. So um, he comes in there. Left-back's the problem. It really is the problem. Obviously, we've lost, of course, uh, Junior, haven't we? Uh, so we've lost him to the Af- African Cup of Nations. Thompson's got himself sent off. Um, is, is Thompson just to check? Thompson isn't able to play. Is that correct? Is that the cup game as well? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, it's all right. It's a one match because it was two yards, so we a one match ban. It should be the next game, which will obviously just count as this one. Right. So I think I'm going to I'm going to put you in at left back. That's all right. <laughs> um. So yeah, you're going left back, and then I'm actually bringing in. I'm I'm don't use the word dropping. That's wrong. I'm resting Burger. Only again because I want his legs. I don't think this will happen, by the way. But I'm just saying. I, I think I, I'd rest him for his legs personally, and I'd actually bring in uh, Sidibe 
again, bit tricky. I know it's Brighton; they're gonna have a lot, a lot of, um, a lot of legs behind them. But again, I'm just thinking experience here. We've not seen Sadib for a while. When he played, he didn't look at a touch at all. So I put Sadibi alongside Baker. Um, and then I'd have Haksabanovic, Juno, Vidigal, and Wesley. Um, again, only I, I, personally, I put in I put in low originally, but I don't know if he's going to really just throw low into it or not. So I'm going to say Wesley because he probably thinks he might owe him a chance. So yeah, a, a bit of a again. I, have you noticed I've still not committed to a left back, and I'm not going to either because I generally don't know who the hell we've got. I mean, Stevens, what the hell's happened to him? Where, where's he been? Maybe yeah, McNally uh, can he play left back and Kieran Clark comes into the middle to or something? I, I don't know. Uh, I've got bottom and goal. Now, I've got here... It, it, all, it all depends on, on players. Don't it? If Gooch or Stevens are fit, then they go to left back. It's as simple as that. Yes. <laughs> um, if they aren't, I think we may see Hoover at left back. I think we might see Wilmot at right back and McNally and Rose in the centre. If Gooch or Stevens can play, then I'll have Hoover at right back and McNally Wilmot. That is the preference, of course, is Hoover, McNally, Wilmot, Gooch slash Stevens. And probably put Gooch over Stevens at this point. Um is the back four. The midfield again. If Ben Pearson's fit, then we go with him. If not, I'm really I'm, I was with you. I've got Sidibe in uh, with Berger and Baker in front of him. I've got Juno on one wing. I've got um, Vidigal on the other, and I've got Ryan May up front. I do believe this is one day too soon for Lloris. I think he can play the next game, but he wouldn't be able to be uh, cleared to play this one. Um, if it is that he's fit, I actually think he could be a good option on the right. Um, so Woods, uh, he might, might even play right back and stick Hoover over the left if we if need to be. Um, but yeah, I think if if Luis can play, then I'd have him and Juno on the wings. Um, like I say, on the bench, you, there's not really anything else. Is that you know, each might come on and get some minutes low. Um, is Tezgel fit again? He's, he's a bit of mystery into he's sort of picking up quite a few niggles and stuff. So if he's fit to play, I'd probably stick him on the bench as well. And you know, if the game is settled either way, he can come on and have get some valuable experience and let the manager have a look at him. Um, yeah. I tell you one one point oh, anyway, I think he played in the FA Cup, so he won't be able to help out. I was going to say Tom Sparrow's returned from his loan spell um at Chester. I know he's played right back before, hasn't he? Yeah. Um not exactly great. Go from playing from Chester mm. to playing against Brighton in the space I don't of see it. He'll know nothing about the guy either, so there's no chance of that. I wonder where we're going to get a left back from then. I think it might just have to be a makeshift back four, might it? Like I said, with sort of Wilmot on the right hand side, on the right back side, and Hoover switched to the left. Yeah, exactly that. It's going to be makeshift either way, which is another reason why I think it's going to make the match even more difficult. Hence my 1 0 defeat. 
Yeah, my prediction is one-one. By the way, okay. okay. So, uh, if it helps, if it helps Shuey's records carry on, then then great. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you like some Super Six updates? Yes, and by the way, uh, you Super Six. I've just done mine as we speak, actually. Um, and Stoke versus Brighton is one of the Super yeah. Six. But it's on the first game, isn't it? I believe. Correct. Top of the shop. Um, so I'm popping my 1-1 in there will you be going with a 1-0 Brighton win on Super 6 I have gone 1-0 correct so um, putting your, put your Super 6 predictions where putting your Super 6 predictions where your mouth is <laughs> yeah I've gone I'll tell you what for um, a little bit of uh, interest for you uh, Brighton to beat Stoke 1-0 QPR to lose to Bournemouth 2-0 Chelsea 2 Preston 1 Middlesbrough 1 Villa 3 Man City 5 Huddersfield 0 Arsenal 2, Liverpool 1. That's what I'm going for. Oh, interesting, interesting. I'll have a make sure they go against all them, try and claw some points back. <laughs> um, this could be a big week. Uh, last, So, Super 6, I am 64th with 209 points. I have to pick up 8 points this week. You also picked up 8 points this week, mate, and you have 218 and sits 51st. So that fantastic week that you had a couple of weeks ago is um, seeing you stretching out to a nine-point lead over me. So well done to you. Uh, we have joint third place of Michael Hazeldean and Nigel Warham on 255. Michael Gadgeter has 268 in second. And in first place is Sean Flanagan with 272 points. So well done to the guys mentioned there. Uh, gaffer update so I have 67 points this week which leaves me 37th at the table with 1,396 overall TNUC United had a whopping 143 points this week they were top scorers so well done to them uh, the top three so Vinny Galacticos is in third with 2020 Mr. Cading is second with 2,035 and leading the way, Stokes Bay, 2,094. Michael, I have a six times challenge for you. Would you like to... Uh, so, yes, so basically it was named the last six third-round opponents for Stoke. So, yes, dating back, obviously, not, not including uh, Brighton this season. But yeah, in the last the last six years, starting 2023 and going back to 2018, have we played in the third round of the cup? Um, third round, okie dokie. So, I assume, well, Brighton. That's got to be one of them, right? Uh, not including this year. Well, technically, that's technically that's last year as well. And oh, it wasn't it third round when we played them there. Um, yes, fifth round we played them last fifth, year. Was it okay? So previous to that, would it have been West Brom then? No, not oh, West no. Brom. Oh no, I'm getting mixed up with another game here. So if you start oh, in start uh, the Hartlepool. Hartlepool. Must be Harley Paul, didn't was yes. it? Harley Paul, Harley Paul last year they scored two own goals and Jacob Brown scored as we beat them 3 0 at Hartlepool. Yeah, yeah I, th- I thought that made sense. Um, try to think because if I give you a clue, the furthest go back was Mark Hughes' last game in charge. Oh, Coventry. That's, 
Yeah, so Coventry, Charlie Adam penalty wasn't enough to stop us losing 2-1 when we were in the Premier League and Coventry were in League 2 at the time. Uh, Mark Hughes was relieved of his duties before he arrived back in Stoke, if I remember right, wasn't he? Yeah, it was on the... Um, what's the name, wasn't it? It was on the coach back, I think yeah. he got. He got shoved off. Um, <laughs> Literally off the couch. Make your own way home. So I'm trying to think. I've See, Bournemouth came to mind, but I'm like, that may have been the Carabao Cup, I think. That was this season, the Carabao Cup. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking previously as well. Uh, oh, I'm not good going back with these bloody teams, there's been, Dan. There's been two Premier League teams we've played well, Chelsea comes to mind, but I swear Chelsea was later on in the day. So oh, I don't think it was that. Actually, to be fair to them, they're in the Premier League now, one of them, but they weren't at the time when we played them. And the other one isn't in the Premier League now, but was when we played them. So. Sheffield United? No. Oh, no, this isn't me yet. They battered us uh, with nobody allowed in. Oh, mate, I can't think who it is. Oh, I'm gone. Could it have been? Could be Brentford? Brentford won. So 2020, we lost 1-0 away at Brentford. They were in the championship, but then went on to get promotion. So okay. that's three of them. So you need the 2022, 2021 and 2019. Oh, Christ. I think 2019 might have been a manager's last game as well. It was definitely around that time. Because the fans were uh, making him very vocal about what they thought of the football on offer. Gary Rowett wasn't the manager, was he? He was. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I was another one of the I don't want to, I've only got one life. I, I want to be extra cautious here. So it would have been. Can't be that one. Would you like a Go on. I think I said Birmingham, but I don't think it is, bro. So we were away to this team from the lower league. We drew with them. And then we lost the replay at home. But then they went and took one of our players on loan for the rest of the season. One of our young players who impressed in the second game. We lost 3 2. He may, oh. he may or may not have been on this podcast. Oh, my God. If anyone has a listen to that interview, you can always go back and listen to it. I'll let you know who he is in two seconds' time and Mark answers. Oh, we've got the right on here now. We've had Wilmot. We've had Tyrese. Oh, Tyrese went on loan to Shrewsbury, didn't he? He did. Shrewsbury? Yes. So we drew 1-1 one, one with Shrewsbury away. Gary Rowett, your football is... Shite. Yes. Scored. He went there, yeah. Yes, and then they we then he was sacked. Nathan Jones took over. We lost the replay three two, but Tyrese Campbell scored a brace, scored both the goals, put us two 0 up. We then lost three two, and Tyrese Campbell then went and played for Shrewsbury for the rest of the season. Um, course, yeah. So yes, so. For any of our new listeners, if you haven't heard that interview, it's well worth going back and listening to. You'll find it was about oh, yeah. it was about August 2022, Mike. 
Yeah, something like that. I think I think there might be a search option on most of these things anyway. But the yeah. worst case, even if you can't find it on the podcast thing going back, if you go onto YouTube, we put a we put a a version of it on there. So it's exactly the same. So you can still just look for Tyrese Campbell interview, and you'll see it come up there if you, if you can't be bothered to to search for it. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's 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 pretty. See, I, I can't think of any other any others, mate. So I'm, I'm going to throw the towel in at this point. I can't think yeah. of any other team. Okay, 2021, the game behind closed doors that we lost 4 0, Leicester City. Oh, I've wiped that from memory. And 2022, uh, we played Leighton Orient at home, 1 2 0, when Tyrese Campbell again and uh, Tom Ince, who was trying to revitalise his Stoke career at that point, wasn't he? Just before he left a few weeks later. Uh, but yes, he, uh, he scored, and yeah, we beat Leighton Orient 2 0. Well, well, well. There we have it. Um, right. Interesting game. One to enjoy at the weekend, I think. Less pressure than normal. Um, go out, like I say, enjoy it. No real expectancy on the lads to, to get a result. As long as they put in a good performance, I'm sure we'll all be happy. Show some commitment like they have been doing in recent weeks. And, uh, yeah, we'll all be good with that. But I think we possibly could even get that uh, that elusive cup upset as well. So go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.